Hello and welcome to the Lifestyle Podcast, a place where we talk about all things holistic living, personal growth, mindset, career, and more. Here we have open-minded conversations that will inspire you to lead with your intuition and go from dreaming to doing. I'm your host, Erin, and I cannot wait to share this journey with you. So let's hop on into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode. Today we're going to be talking all about nutrition and diet and you know healthy eating habits. So I'm going to be sitting down with Kat Kravanik, who is a registered holistic nutritionist and also a certified personal trainer. She's extremely passionate about living a healthy lifestyle and believes that health and wellness should be a very individualized approach and that there is no one size fits all. And I love that. I feel like that's why I was initially drawn to her and her content and everything that she does because I think the same thing you know everybody's so different and not everything sits the same with with everyone you know what I mean different diets work well with different people so she's going to be breaking it down to the basics and she makes health and wellness simple she really tries to promote um, balance and sustainability within your eating habits so in this episode we'll be talking about creating a balanced plate the whole also the whole narrative surrounding carbs and how they've been demonized a little bit. We'll be talking about eating a plant-based diet and different protein sources to try and also sort of transitioning into that plant-based diet. And we'll also be talking about weight loss and how to lose weight sustainably. So there's definitely a lot of great gems in this episode. I do, however, want to apologize for the audio in the first half of it, just because there were some renovations going on in the background. And um, yeah, you can definitely hear those going on. So I do apologize for that, but I hope you can get um, some value from this nonetheless. And I will leave all of Kat's details in the description for you. So feel free to connect with her. Otherwise, let's hop on right into today's episode. Thanks so much, Kat, for coming on the show. I'd love if you could just start off by letting us know, you know, a little bit about yourself and your background. So my name is Kat Kravanik. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. I have a background in fitness as well. I have my personal training certification. Guess how I started and doing what I'm doing is around my mid-20s, started noticing um, way less energy, weight gain. I think it comes from working like in the restaurant industry for a long time, working late nights and kind of just eating whatever cocktails after work so best lifestyle so I wanted to start feeling better started going to the gym and just just feeling a whole lot better I was really interested in nutrition I mean I always loved good food loved making good food but um, fell in love with kind of learning about how food impacts our bodies and performance so I I wanted to further my education a bit and found um, CSN, so it's the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and the philosophy behind holistic nutrition is is really what stood out to me. It looks at the individual as a whole and not just the food that they're consuming, but also how are they dealing with like mentally, physically? Are they sleeping? Are they are they stressed out all the time? Because that all has a, an effect on our on our gut health and our digestion and 
essentially a lot a lot of issues stem from from poor gut health and poor digestion because it's not so much what we eat but but what we're absorbing so your diet could be amazing but if you're not breaking those foods down properly and you're not absorbing those vitamins and minerals then it will not have an impact on on your health at all it's interesting yeah because it's so different for everybody too at the end of the day it's like one diet can work so well for someone and if you try to mimic it and it just doesn't have the same effect on you you see a lot of people that like okay to work for me and and they're they're losing a ton of weight and, and it's sustainable for them but in the end it won't work for everyone and I wouldn't recommend it for everyone so that's why it's something that we go through with a client is definitely looking at what would be sustainable for them you know if it's something that they can actually stick to then that's great and and of course if it's like a healthy diet I don't I don't really like the idea of cutting out an entire food group I think that's it's pretty like unsustainable for anyone, but it's interesting. Everybody is totally different. That's for sure. It's funny too, because I I really love nutrition and wellness and all of this stuff too. Although I've never studied it. I'm just, it's always something I've been fascinated in. And, you know, I had a similar story to you working in the restaurant industry and it's just sort of go, go, go. And you just eat when you can. And it's really easy to lose track. late nights. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And then the cocktails after, like it very much is that sort of scene, but it's funny because a few years later, like I was, I had really bad acne a couple of years ago and I finally got to a point where I, you know, bit the bullet and went to a skin clinic. And the first thing that, um, the esthetician, I can never say that word. The esthetician asked me was what's your diet? Like, what are you eating? Because it very much is a holistic thing. And a lot of people who have, you know, acne or rashes or any of this other stuff, it's because it could be because of your diet. Yeah. Another funny story, like even my Nana, she had skin issues her whole life, like rashes that she could never figure out where they were coming from, what was happening. It wasn't until she was in her seventies, late seventies that her doctor told her to cut down on potassium for, for another reason. So she cut bananas out of her diet and all of a sudden all of her rashes cleared and her skin was amazing. <laughs> so it's like she had, she was allergic to bananas and just never knew. I can like tolerance to it. For skin in, in general, like your skin is how you're, you detoxify. Like a lot of toxins come out in your skin. That's why people with intolerances or they're eating foods that they, that are not agreeing with them. You'll notice that in like acne and and poor skin because those toxins are coming out and they're manifesting on the outside. Yeah. People think it's like, oh, if I just buy this skin cream, my skin will be better. Or if I just do this, it'll be better. But it, you really have to look at everything as a whole. And that can help for sure. It's 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 both, right? It's, it's like a marriage of what you're putting in your body and also what you're putting on your skin. So I asked the audience a few questions and we got a bunch in and a lot of the most common questions were surrounding carbs. And I feel like we're, you know, fed this whole narrative around carbs, you know, from such a young age, like carbs are bad. Don't eat bread. Don't eat this. Don't eat that or cut carbs if you want to lose weight. So what's, what's the whole story around carbs? What are, you know, what are some of the, I don't like to refer to food as good and bad, but what are some of the healthier choices we can make? And another person was asking, you know, is white rice and pasta, is that stuff really so bad? Okay. So, and yeah, exactly. I also don't like considering something good food and a bad food the the issue with carbs is there's there's two two kinds of carbs complex and um simple carbs and and your simple carbs are like your sugars and and like you said like your white bread your white pasta really like refined grains and your complex are things that take longer to digest so things like oats and sweet potatoes um they they take longer to digest and therefore it's a more sustainable source of energy whereas those simple carbs and sugars will be burned off in your body quickly not very sustainable 
unsustainable, you'll end up hungry like an hour later. And the problem with white rice and, and potatoes even, I think that was on the list, um, it's just the way that like potatoes in general have, have been demonized. It's not very fair because nutritionally, they're very similar to a sweet potato. It's just that when we prepare them in ways like you think of a potato, you think of fries or like mashed potatoes or either deep fried or like covered in, in butter and milk and, and all these other fatty things. And then all of a sudden that potato is, is considered a non-healthy food, but it really is. It's just the way that you prepare it. It's still a nutritionally dense food and same with white rice. As long as you're pairing it with something, uh, a protein and a fat to make it a complete meal and you're balancing out those macronutrients, then you're good. For pasta and things that are made with like white flour, to me, it's all about moderation. Everything in moderation is okay. Um, because if you limit the amount of foods that you kind of crave the most, you'll end up quote unquote binging on them in, in the long run, right? Short answer, no, <laughs> they're not terrible for you. I mean, I love pasta. I love pizza. We make pizza at least once a week and it's great. It's just, it's just having that moderation and also putting in other nutrient dense things. So having a source of protein in there if you're making pasta make a sauce with a lot of veggies in there some good protein so kind of what i got from that is carbs are like they're the source of energy right are, yeah and you see a lot of athletes they go carb heavy before you know they run a race or play a sport or something like that so they would typically typically go for the things that don't burn out as quickly like a fruit yeah. they would go for like the pasta yeah when it comes to that that carb loading kind of scenario it's again it's like one of those kind of restrictive styles of eating that you're doing for a specific purpose but they're not eating like that 365 days a year right like if they're if they're preparing for a race or something then they will eat yes load up on those carbs for that event but for the rest of the year, they're not necessarily eating or until their next race, they're not necessarily eating super, super carb heavy, right? Mm, that makes sense. So what are like some base levels for proteins, carbs and fats? Like how can we properly balance out a plate of food? And I think a lot of people struggle with this, getting the proper, you know, not knowing where to start or how much of a certain thing to have on their plate. I like to um, be easy. I like to really simplify things for clients and um, when it comes to plating, you can use your hand as a reference. So um, a good portion size for protein would be about your palm size. Um, carbohydrate would be a fist size, so like a closed fist. Veggies and greens, you want to do two big um, cupped handfuls, essentially. And that is, is a pretty good ratio. Sorry, I forgot fats too. So you'd want to do like your thumb size for things like nut butters and, and things like that. Those are all the good stuff too, the nut butters. <laughs> I struggle with that with the peanut butter. Oh, I could just eat like spoonful yeah. after spoonful. And so we kind of touched like at the beginning about, you know, food intolerances or things like that and it, having a reaction in our skin. But how do we know if something might be missing from our diet? Um, you'd, you'd look at it the same as an intolerance kind of. You you notice it in, in your energy levels, in your, if so if you've got kind of dull looking skin, brittle nails, brittle hair, that really manifests and and, and um, things like low iron, um, you'll notice with, with 
energy levels and yeah, vitamin C, collagen for your hair and your nails. You'll notice that kind of manifest. Digestive issues as well, if you're not absorbing nutrients for sure and weight. Mm-hmm. Collagen seems to be like it's on the rise. That seems yeah. very trendy. Lots topic, very trendy. Do you do a lot of your clients ask about collagen and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, and it, I mean, it's something that I've been taking for uh, a bunch of years now. And I noticed the benefits of it for sure. Um, Stronger hair for sure. Um, Skin. The problem is always equality over quantity, right? You want to look for a good reputable brand. I think it's so big right now because it's because people are putting it into like powders and kind of incorporated into anything sucks for vegans, vegetarians, because it is animal based. Yeah, I was trying to find a plant based one, but I guess it's just not even a thing. And like the bones and the ligaments and skin of, of animals and fish. There are marine ones if, if anyone's like pescatarian or just sticks to seafood. For the intolerances and the allergies, how do you narrow down what it is specifically that you're having that intolerance to or that allergy to? And how do you how do you go about fixing that within your diet? There are tests, like you can have your blood tested. So there's like your typical IgE tests that um, you would do for um, those things that cause like anaphylaxis and and hives like shellfish and peanuts, right? There's also IgG tests, which um, would test your blood for specific food intolerances. But um, an elimination diet is typically the route that that I take with clients. When we go through an intake, um, I'd look for specific symptoms and we would cut out the five kind of most gut irritating foods, (laughs) which are gluten, dairy, soy, corn, and eggs, sometimes citrus Mm. as well. So the elimination diet is a good, is a really good indicator. Um, you would get rid of those foods for about two weeks and then slowly reintroduce them. So one food from kind of one food group at a time, wait a couple of days, see how you feel, because reactions can come anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. So you can be fine eating something, you won't have like a hive or anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not having a, a longer term reaction where next day you have like bloating or constipation, diarrhea, anything like alternating odd going on in your gut could be from something that you ate the previous day. So if you don't notice any symptoms like that after 48 hours, then typically that food is okay for you to continue. I'm interested too to know, I had a friend who is such like a weird thing, but she ended up like sending away a stool sample to get tested and they like send it her sent her back this report basically saying these are the best foods for you to eat based on your gut I guess which I find so interesting because you'd think you know eating a tomato you know that's super healthy or eating whatever that's a great to add to your diet but it might not be the healthiest thing for you and your gut well because our gut is its own living microbiome right um so you have you're made up of more bugs than anything else and you need to feed those um what what agrees with your body right so yeah for sure a lot of people could have sensitivities to to foods that are generally considered healthy right Mm -hmm. yeah that's so I find that so fascinating because I know I was like on a kale binge for a long time and I'd eat the most giant kale salad every single day for lunch, but it never, I don't think it agreed with my gut so much. And when I stopped doing that, I felt 10 times better and less bloated too. But here I am thinking I'm being the healthiest person on the planet, eating a giant kale salad every day, but doesn't necessarily agree with my gut as it would for someone else's. And kale in itself, it's like, it's a lot more fibrousy, right? It's like harder to digest compared to like iceberg lettuce. Yeah. 
75% water. Um, kale has a lot more fiber. So sometimes too much or too little of a certain type of fiber, whether it's the one that insoluble or soluble, um, could cause a reaction. So what I actually recommend to anyone who eats a lot of kale and it's not agreeing with you is to first massage it um, with a little bit of olive oil. So maybe like 10, 10 minutes before you're about to make a salad, take a little bit of olive oil, pour it on your kale and quite literally massage it. <laughs> and it really actually softens it up and makes it um, easier to digest. Hmm, interesting. Can we talk about fiber too? Which That's something I'm super interested in because I think a lot of people don't get enough fiber in their day to day. What are like the best sources of fiber that you could intake? Fruits and veggies um, and beans and lentils are great sources of fiber. Grains as well, um, as long as you're okay with them. Mm -hmm. I guess we could go into the protein questions as well. So lots of questions surrounding protein, especially for plant-based people or vegetarian people. That's something I struggled with big time switching when I went from eating meat to a plant-based diet. I think I ate way too many carbs at the start and not enough of the proteins and the fats. Yeah, there was questions about like easily transitioning into a plant-based diet. And then also, yeah, what are some good proteins? Transitioning, doing it slowly. And if you have questions, I mean, a good thing about working with a nutritionist is that you always kind of have that resource and someone to, um, to ask for advice so moving slowly, um, if it's something that you really want to dive into, then great plant-based sources of protein, um, tofu, tempeh, quinoa, beans and lentils. The only issue, and, and you might have read about this, plant-based proteins are um, in, uh, oftentimes incomplete, whereas animal-based proteins are considered complete. Plant-based, you have to pair them with other plant-based sources of proteins to create all those those complete proteins. Um, so for example, you would want to, and it doesn't have to be at every meal, but throughout your day, you need lots of variety. You want to want to get, let's say, um, rice and beans and, and nuts and seeds. And that way you're creating those complete proteins and you're getting enough protein in your diet. But definitely there's a lot more than to a plant-based diet than, than just eating <laughs> carbs and, and pasta and whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. You just have to, I guess you just have to be a little more creative than, um, than, you know, like meat and veg, right? Yeah. It's something I really had to focus in on and spend a lot more time, like researching the meals I wanted to eat and prepping. So it's like now every Sunday I do a big food prep. So I know I have have like tofus and whether I have lentils those are one of my favorites too like all prepared and ready in the fridge that way I can just grab it and I'm not having unbalanced meals that's interesting I didn't realize about the pairing the different ones and and a lot of people don't quite think that like nuts and seeds and, and quinoa are sources of protein but they really are they're not just just carbs and, and fat as well so yeah definitely lots of variety comes into play when when switching to a plant-based diet is making sure you have tons of variety so it's yeah it's not just like eating tofu all day long <laughs> it doesn't have to be no. mix it up what are also some vitamins that people might need to be taking if they're on a plant-based and specifically a vegan diet two that come to mind are definitely b12 and iron those two are found in animal products unless um you're getting foods that are fortified with B12, you should be supplementing for sure. Iron, again, is also one of those that there is heme iron, which comes from animal products, and there's non-heme iron that comes from plant-based products, but uh, products, no, plant-based foods. <laughs> but the thing is, is that our body tends to favor that heme iron, so the iron that comes from um, animal products and absorbs it very well. Whereas the plant-based ones are a little bit less absorbable. You could eat a whole head of spinach and not get as much iron as you would from eating animal products. 
products, for example. So getting enough in your diet, getting a lot of variety and supplementing if you have to. Iron's also pretty tricky because we oftentimes don't absorb a lot of it and it takes a longer time to um, build up those stores of iron in the body. Mm. Something that helps absorb iron a bit better is vitamin C. So if you are pairing, for example, if you're having like steak or chicken, pair it with broccoli and that vitamin C from that broccoli will help absorb that iron better. I think it's common with women, especially, you know, with our monthly cycles to be low in iron as it is. Then if you throw in being vegan or plant-based into the mix, I think it's extremely common and you see a lot of people that end up becoming anemic or something like that. Even being vegan can sometimes not work out for people. And in the end, if they're really struggling, it just might not be the diet for them as much as they want to, or if it's for ethical reasons or whatever. But there have been cases of people that just really struggle with it because they can't absorb any iron from from the plants and, and they're feeling super low energy and they just need to reintroduce maybe at least some animal foods into their diet just to keep those levels. I know Miley Cyrus did that. She was vegan and then she had to switch back. Yeah, yeah I saw that on something, some other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a touchy subject because it's so personal to everyone. And I would never tell someone like, do this, do that. I'll only like advise and be like, maybe this is something that you should try or try this because it is personal and it's not a one size fits all for everyone. Exactly. And you don't know until you try something what's working for you and what's not. And I don't like the shaming culture around dieting online either, or if like the example of someone being vegan and then, you know, maybe for health reasons, they couldn't be fully vegan and then people start attacking them online or, or whatever the case is. But it's like, you don't know what's going on or really seriously affecting their health. And there's something that they were blocking from, you know, going back on that doesn't mean that they've changed as a person or their views or their, you know, ethical views on the matter change. So it's, yeah, it's kind of touchy. But I think that's with most diets. And we see a lot of diets that come out that are these trendy things, you know, right now, you know, I was saying on another podcast, uh, last week, how gluten free was like the huge trend, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And now it seems like keto is the huge trend right now. And it's, it's almost like we see this wave of people that are consistently hopping on the new trends without thinking of themselves really first. They just see that it's trendy and have to, or or they just want a quick fix for weight loss or, or whatever their reasoning is. So they just hop on any of these. Usually someone looking for a quick fix and is like, well, this is working for them and I'm going to do it and it'll work for me. And you know what? Sometimes it does work. And some people do super well on a keto diet and lose a ton of weight and are able to sustain it but I think that's in the end like the biggest thing is can you sustain it is it something that you see yourself doing um for the long term and if it's not then then maybe it's only meant to be a short-term thing and if you see the benefits from it maybe learn ways to incorporate that and and be able to find that balance as well I think there needs to be a moderation and, and a balance for everything I don't think that cutting out an entire food group will ever be sustainable for anyone because it's just it's too difficult and it's too much to think about and it becomes all you end up thinking about is is your next meal and how you're going to prepare it and is there too much of this or too little of that so it can be a slippery slope and I think you know a lot of people they struggle with eating disorders and things like that and I, I feel like it's a lot of it is stemmed from the restriction too right 
I know that was my big issue for a long time was being very restrictive. And I still struggle to this day. I call it like the the all or nothing mindset where, you know, if you just, if you have one cookie, then you're like, screw it. My diet is thrown off. I'm just going to eat the entire box of cookies. And that's something I always struggle with. If I have one chocolate and I'm taking down the whole bag with me instead of just having the one and moving on with my day. So I, I feel like that's a hard mindset to conquer, but people will do the the restriction. They'll cut out, okay, I'm not having any sugar. But then when they do go to have the sugar, they have yeah, they have all of it. And that's, that's a major hard thing to conquer. And and that's why also those, like, I hate those like YouTube videos where they like binge and eat on camera. I don't know why. Mukbangs. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that can't be right. It's just like bizarre, and I think even like the idea of cheat days is it's not very sustainable because if you wait all week to eat pizza or have chocolate or whatever on that one day, you're gonna end up just eating way more of it, and then then yeah, that negative mindset comes in on Monday, and you're like, oh well, like all my progress is gone, so continue so I think just you know if you want to have some chocolate at the end of your day just be mindful of your portion sizing and include it in your daily life and find that balance and that way you'll be able to sustain whatever whatever your goals are exactly and don't beat yourself up about having the chocolate because if it's within it in balance with the rest of your meals then that's a-okay it's funny that you talked about the cheat days too because when I was really heavy into my fitness in my earlier and mid-20s I would save Sundays as my cheat meal day and I would just go crazy eating everything in that day because I was very restrictive throughout the rest of the week and it's almost like come the Monday I'd have a food hangover almost and like a ton of sugar right and if you're eating like fatty foods like deep fried foods and pizzas it it quite literally is like a food hangover yeah your body's just like I don't know what I'm doing with all this now yeah exactly it's so funny I feel like that's a thing that we're we're all fed to is the you know save it for your cheat day or save it for that but just be balanced <laughs> and, and for me it's even like okay if you know that you're going out for, for dinner or something like you're going out to a restaurant or whatever that doesn't mean that you starve yourself all day to to be like oh because we're going out to eat like no just continue your regular routine and be good find that balance mm-hmm. and I like how you say like what is sustainable for you like if you start keto is this something that you can do long term or is this just something that you do want that quick fix and weight loss for even if it is for a short period of time or if it's something that doesn't work out you know how do you move away from that and and not beat yourself up about it and be like okay this didn't work for me so maybe we should try something else um what are I'm curious like when you see clients what are the most common things that they come in looking for help with is it finding that balance or yeah um so I deal a lot with gut health I think a lot of nutritionists we everything kind of stems from the gut. Like I mentioned before, it's it's the site of digestion and absorption. So if something's not working quite right there, you can't you won't be able to fix other issues that can be going on. Um, so starting off with um, seeing what's going on in the gut and kind of giving it a little bit of a reset and eating better foods, more fiber, feeding the good gut microbiome. With that comes, I deal a lot with, with wheat as well. So yeah, if digestion's not functioning properly, that could be a cause of why you're not losing weight or or gaining weight, whatever that could be. And I deal a lot with energy as well. So people just feeling super drained and hitting that 3pm slump and needing 
a nap or like a third coffee, you know, what's causing that? Why is that? What are you eating? Are your meals balanced um, in order to sustain those energy levels throughout the day? I think that's such a common thing, the 3 p.m. slump. Is that usually because of a deficiency you find like in someone's diet? I think it's just a mix of, typically a mix of poor sleep, (laughs) stress, and yeah, not having a balance in your meals. So maybe having coffee for breakfast and then not eating till till 3 p.m. till you feel that slump or you'll have a quick breakfast that's just a muffin or something right like something that's just um that simple carb that sugar that just spikes your energy up and then your energy levels will drop because your blood sugar is dropping you don't have that fat and that protein to keep it all balanced what's um i'm curious because i feel like you have a nice healthy balanced diet what like what does a day of eating look like for you yeah so i start my day off with coffee and water i just do black coffee i mean i have a collagen creamer now but i typically don't put anything in it unless i feel like being fancy (laughs) for breakfast um i love eggs we'll always have like some eggs some toast and i like to put avocado on my toast so there's your healthy fat or oats like oat like an oat bowl with nuts nut butter or hemp seeds and fruit like berries um that's typically breakfast or like a like a breakfast sandwich something like that lunch will either have salad typically like greens kale protein and what we have on hand sometimes I don't know, it varies. Like my days sometimes vary on what we're doing. It'll either be um, two meals or three meals a day. But so sometimes lunch is kind of just more snacks, carrots and, and hummus or or nuts or things like that, just kind of snacking until dinner time. Dinner really changes <laughs> on a daily basis, on a weekly basis too. Like we love tofu, tempeh, um, make like a stir fry with um, a ton of veggies and rice. Do like pizza once a week. <laughs> we like to make our own now. I mean, I got a KitchenAid a year or two ago, so always making our own pizza. But yeah, again, throwing a ton of veggies on there, a salad on the side, all over the place. I don't really have like staple meals. I just kind of make whatever's on hand and and I like to get creative too so I'm always on Instagram looking for something creative to me yeah I do the same thing I always follow like all these plant-based accounts and stuff like that (laughs) drooling over the recipes (laughs) what are like what would you recommend as easy things to start substituting into your diet that you know maybe people are lacking the most of or I mean I guess this is kind of like broad obviously because it's not an individualized approach but oils are a big one vegetable oils are terrible for you canola oil is terrible it's very highly processed oil and it's pretty like devoid of nutrients swapping that out for if you are sauteing or frying things to use a high smoke point oil like avocado oil or coconut oil so these oils are meant that they can sustain a higher heat and they don't break down um and they're still really good for you and then um kind of lower if you're roasting something in a lower heat or salad dressings to use olive oil like an extra virgin olive oil um so that's a really big one staying away from those really processed oils and if you ever flip you know look at the ingredients before you're buying stuff there's canola oil in everything so once you kind of start paying attention to where it is i guarantee you'll notice a difference because these 
these oils are pretty like rancid and there's nothing good in them. <laughs> Other substitute or just like easy things we can throw in our diet. I would say for anyone who um, is a big meat eater to look into plant-based alternatives and things like tofu and tempeh and beans and other sources of protein. And I really kind of like having people try um, a meatless day a week, meatless Monday, like at least try it do something different, have more plant-based sources of protein in your diet because animal-based proteins, I mean, there's good and there's the bad. There's some like bread meats high in saturated fats, like eating too much of it isn't, isn't too good. And you always want to look for quality over quantity too when it comes to meat. Grass-fed, red meat, um, free-range chickens, free-range eggs, local if you can find it. I know it's sometimes harder for us like living in North America. We can't always have everything local year-round, but I think looking for quality over quantity for sure is a good swap as well. That's my favorite thing in the summer is going to farmer farmers markets and getting fresh veggies. It's so exciting. Take advantage of it when you can, right? So even if it costs a little bit more, I think you just generally like feel a lot better. Um, have you ever tried a produce box? No, I've tried like HelloFresh. Well, produce boxes are like in the summer. I think Hello Organics was one of them. Good food to you. I think it's two brands that do it in Ottawa. But during the summer months, well, like spring to like fall, they work with local farmers and they gather produce and then what whatever's in season like you get a weekly delivery box which is kind of cool really like good for COVID now too is like you can have like a weekly delivery of like freshly grown in-season local produce and it comes to your door so I think that's a pretty cool one that I kind of encourage people to do for real and it's supporting local and you're getting fresh win-win I kind of want to switch gears too and talk about um weight loss and I know, you know, not everybody's looking to lose weight and stuff, but that is a, com a question that I got popping up a few times. People are curious how to sustainably lose weight and how to have that proper nutrition and make sure you're going into a calorie deficit because that is the only way to lose weight, isn't it? Weight is tricky, again, because there could be some factors from digestion and from like stress even. So when your cortisol is up high, that could prevent weight loss for sure. You want to make sure that your digestion is, is, is working properly. You're breaking foods down. You're absorbing everything. Calories do play uh, a part for sure. When we're working with a client who is looking for weight loss, we got to do a bit of calculation, see how many calories they're burning. It's called the resting metabolic rate. So how many calories are you burning just by living, breathing, and also by digesting food because that has uh, burns calories as well and then how much are you burning with activity so are you someone who's sedentary and you don't really like do a whole lot of exercise or are you pretty active and are you at the gym five days a week so we got to figure out how many calories are, are you actually need in a day to sustain and then you want to take away I mean, the number on the internet is always 500 calories, but that's, that's different for everyone, right? So I like to kind of ease clients into it and go maybe like 300 calories less, 500 calories less, and then see see where things go. But it all depends on those factors, on, on how active you are and how many, how many calories are you burning. When it comes to staying healthy while in a caloric deficit, again, it's just like keeping that balance. So two things you can definitely do without really having to think about it is looking at the empty calories that are in beverages. So things like um, if you're drinking juice or like soda, it's all, it's a lot of empty calories in there. Um, a lot of sugar as well. And maybe your coffee, like if you're going to Starbucks and you're getting three pumps of whatever in there, that's all like the things that you can kind of take out of your diet without even have, 
having to actually change what you're eating. Also, minimizing processed foods. So things that are processed, packaged, like frozen foods, um, cutting that out from the diet um, can be very beneficial. The, the key, I guess, is to really be comfortable with cr- making your own meals and cooking for yourself and knowing exactly what's in it instead of really focusing on that number. That number can be different for anyone and without having to track it on your phone and like plugging in calories constantly and like stressing out about it um, to just kind of make like those two steps would, would definitely help for sure. So to figure out, you know, how many we're burning and how many we're intaking, do you suggest using an app or something like that? Yeah, that depends. So like simple, like food journaling can also help um, just kind of writing down what you ate and not really thinking about the numbers. Yeah, the apps are great, but they're kind of stressful and annoying too. Like a lot of people will start off and do it for about a week or two and then be like oh I forgot what I ate I didn't input it so uh, and then you know well, are they going to give up on the whole program so I found that I've used the apps before I loved them just to be able to see you know how much protein I was getting how much you can it's all laid out there in the percentages but I did find I wasn't consistent with it because you know every single meal you got to whip out your phone and scan the barcodes and <laughs> input all the ingredients which can be a lot of work it depends I'll like work with a client and be like if this is something that you think you can do every single day and it doesn't stress you out and you enjoy it you're that kind of person that like likes being like analytical and see everything then go for it but simply just writing it down and being mindful of what you're eating is um is is beneficial as well and kind of not really worrying about the calories so much as the quality of your food and and finding that balance exactly and yeah just another thing with the apps too I feel like it's very easy to become obsessed with them and be so strict by the app. And if you're, you know, at your calories and your friend says, hey, do you want to go out and grab a drink? And then you can start, you know, that's where all the restrictions can start coming into play too. It's just like a scale at home too, right? Do you do you want to know how much you weigh? But are you, you know, are you going to weigh yourself every single day? And then are you going to get stressed out about it? And then when you stress out about it, like your cortisol is shooting up, you get discouraged and you don't want to continue. So it's, it's tricky, I guess. Yeah. If you get way too, like it has to be this way. Even now, I, I don't count calories or do any of that now. I'd rather just eat intuitively. But even today I noticed, um, like I had my breakfast this morning and then I started getting hungrier a little bit earlier than I usually do for lunch. And I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, I can't eat yet. Like usually I eat around, you know, lunch I'll have around 1, 1 1.30 and I was hungry around 11.30. And I'm like, oh, I can't eat my lunch yet. You know, it's not time. But then I checked myself. I'm like, wait a second, if I'm hungry now, why can't I just make my lunch now? And then if I'm hungry again before dinner, I'll have a nice healthy snack or something thing in between but I had to check myself a little bit I was like wait what am I doing but I think that's common it's like we get so set in that routine or if we have we think we have to be strict about our diet or whatever but eating more intuitively and when you feel hungry you know just fill yourself up with good wholesome foods and when you're hungry not mindlessly doing things just just because ultimately that's the goal with with anything is to be able to simplify things so that people understand you know this is a food that will fill me up that'll keep me fuller for longer and having all three of these covering all my bases is like a good nice balanced complete meal and I can make it to my next meal without feeling any kind of guilt or shame for wanting to to eat lunch earlier I mean it's it's tough though because a lot of people think that no, I need to be so strict about it. But that's where you get yourself into trouble or those restrictive patterns or binging or 
or whatever is when you start having that it's once again I guess it's like that all or nothing mindset yeah when it comes to weight it's, it's a little bit tricky too with um, clients looking for weight loss because I don't want them to feel like they need to be on this like quote-unquote diet for the rest of their life right I want them to be able to add these you know sustainable healthy habits into their life and then be able to continue on without having to stress about every little thing like the holidays are a big one right like mm-hmm. God, like how am I going to stick to my diet if I'm going to a dinner or whatever and and I, and I don't want that for anyone there's a time and a place for everything and then once you're kind of once you kind of have a handle on what's what works for you and what makes you feel your best then you want to add those habits into your daily life so what kind of uh, programs do you offer to your clients if people were interested in booking I'll do an assessment with a client always which is like an intake of their current um, their diet, their lifestyle. Because again, we're looking at more than just what they're eating. Um, we're looking at um, how they're sleeping and how much stress are they under, what they, you know, what they do for work, what's their eating schedule like. Maybe, like I said, like maybe they're having coffee and then they forget to eat till 2 p.m. And is that a factor in what's going on? So after an assessment, um, I'm doing right now just either three, six, or 12 week programs if you're more or less just looking at making small changes or like transitioning to a different diet then you might only need three weeks um whereas if it's something a little more complicated we're dealing with gut issues like serious bloating after eating or alternating like constipation diarrhea and you don't know what's going on what foods can be affecting it that could be something that needs a little bit more of a longer term program same as weight loss because we know that weight loss doesn't happen right away it actually takes a lot of time you need to set goals to in order to to reach that ultimate goal um setting smaller goals what i mean so um within those 12 weeks you know how what is a realistic number of of weight loss. So a lot of goal setting, a lot of accountability and, um, and meal plans is what I provide for my clients, giving them an idea and and recipes of what, of what they can eat in a day, not what they can eat in a day, but you know, how they can kind of um, structure their meals in order to get everything that they need, the nutrients that they need. And if they're removing foods, then, you know, what they can substitute in. I love that. Um, yeah, and before we wrap up, let us know where we can all find you online, your Instagram, your website. Yeah, uh, so it's at Kat Kravanek Nutrition and uh, uh, com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kat. That is going to wrap up today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I feel like I learned a lot and I kind of wanted just to close out on some of the key takeaways. So number one, when creating a balanced plate for your meals, you can use your hand for a reference. So the palm of your hand is a good reference for the size of protein, you know, making a fist for carbs and you can reference that for size. For veggies, two big handfuls and then your thumb for for fats. Number two, carbs aren't necessarily bad. It's all about how you eat them. So when you're preparing things like potatoes, opt for those healthier choices and options. And also remember that portion sizing is key, especially when it comes to things like pastas. Number three, so plant-based proteins are oftentimes considered incomplete, whereas animal-based proteins are considered complete. So animal proteins have all nine amino acids and get absorbed into the body. Um, Whereas the plant-based, you have to sort of 
pair those proteins with other plant-based sources to get all of the complete proteins. This was an interesting one because I actually didn't know that. So if you are plant-based, you know, make sure you are getting a wide variety of things into your diet. That way you can be sure you're getting all of the nutrients that you need. Number four, food journaling can be a good tool if you're looking to become more mindful of your eating habits and to make sure that you're having those full and balanced meals. And number five, don't be so hard on yourself or too strict with yourself, especially when it comes to approaching that healthier eating lifestyle. It's all about adding sustainable, healthy habits to your life. And that's what's going to lead you to success and just overall, you know, feeling better. And that's what we all aim to do. So I really do hope you enjoyed this episode. I will leave all of Kat's details in the description if you wanted to connect with her, but otherwise I'll catch you next week.